Hi, my name is Gus, and this year I turned 50 and hit official menopause. I have a dream where every woman past 40 looks forward to, even prepares for, and feels excited about the richness, the potential, the opportunities that await her as she makes the transition from mother to menopause. This podcast was born out of my desire to bring these conversations out into the open for more ears to hear. I sense there is a quiet revolution underway where a new story around menopause and the years leading up to it is being reclaimed and rewritten by the women who are choosing to make this transition in their own way. Women who want to break free from the cultural expectations of how this phase of our life should play out and look. From experience, I know this takes inner work and being truly unapologetically ourselves, but it is potent and available to every single woman who wants it. This podcast is an invitation to open your mind and heart to relish even in the possibilities and opportunities that I believe this part of our life journey offers us. I'll be having conversations with women in their 40s and 50s who are navigating this transition and rewriting their menopause story in their own unique way to one that is much more fulfilling, enriching and meaningful than we might have been led to believe was possible. You will no doubt hear how change is embraced rather than feared, how vibrant and exciting life can be at this age. My intention with these conversations is that they are thought-provoking, expansive and uplifting, that they inspire feelings of curiosity, open-heartedness and courage. These stories of ours are not prescripted. They are ours to write or rewrite. And this feels like true freedom to me. Welcome to Rewriting Menopause Stories. I'm really excited for you to listen to this conversation that I had with Alexa. It covers so much breadth around this topic because you can think of perimenopause and menopause in in solitude, if you like, as just a phase of a woman's life. But what I loved about this conversation that I had with Alexa is that we kind of took a step back and looked at this phase of a woman's life as part of her whole journey as a woman, from a young girl getting her first period through to this phase. And that might seem strange to you or it might not, but essentially our whole hormonal journey is connected. It's like a thread, a through line that runs through our life. And what happens even at birth has an impact on on us and on our health and certainly what happens within our hormonal journey even if it was when we were 9 10 11 12 has an impact on how we move through our cycles and the phases of our life throughout our life and that's what I loved about our conversation we could have talked forever around that rites of passage we'll have to come back for a round two I also loved hearing, as I do every woman I interview, Alexa's story of her own perimenopause and also, you know, the way that she has changed so much around 
her beliefs, her stories, and the way that she thinks and feels about herself. So I'll leave you with this delightful chat. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So here we are. Um, this is going to be episode four of the podcast. Ooh. And welcome, Alexa, to this podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to our chat. We've already had a, a pre-chat, um, which I almost wish we'd recorded. But um, I know yeah, we're going to get into, yeah. I know we're going to get into more of that and and even more on the on this conversation today. And so the first thing I like to ask my guests because I'm just really curious to know is whether or not, or well, not whether or not, but what your imprint of perimenopause and menopause was before you even hit it. So let's say, you know, pre-35, what were the, um, ide- what was the idea you had of this phase of life? Like whether that was from your mother or from other, you know, relevant women in your life that had gone through it, media, culture. Yeah. What was your imprint of this phase of your life? Um, I didn't know anything from family like my mother I think you know recently because I'm working in it she sort of said oh I don't think I went through it and looking back she totally went through it Um, I heard nothing I heard nothing apart from when I was in my 20s I was doing a lot of um spiritual work alternative I was training to be a color therapist and I would do past life healings and crystal healing and the women who who were doing the same things as I was were women in the menopause in their 50s so I was 25 ish and I was hanging with women in their 50s And not that they spoke particularly about uh, menopause, but there was one instant particularly where there was something, I it must have been the colour therapy where I was learning about the chakras. And they were talking about, you know, when, when we're women, um, fertile women, our energy is all in our base chakra, so it's all red. Um, and that's where our creative energy goes. It goes in uh, creating life and birth. And when we go through the menopause, that the energy rises to our throat and our creative energy comes out. And this is it's this blue throat energy. And I remember going home to my father and stepmom and saying, I can't wait to go through the menopause because this is going to happen. That's so exciting. Can you imagine if I'm because I'm quite creative, if I'm if I'm creative now, like what? is what am I going to unearth in creativity when I'm no longer in that reproduction energy phase? They thought, of course, they thought I was mental, 25-year-old, wishing menopause upon herself. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And it was also, um, like, uh, after my children, and th- so I didn't party when my friends were partying and doing that. I was... I was going to other worlds. I wasn't out of off my head. I was off my head in, you know, going up, meditating, being with fairies and all sorts. But then I did, it was quite hedonistic after 
children I sort of fit I did fit in some party stages um but I just knew I was like I know that when I get to the menopause I'm going to go back to who I was at 25 so it was almost like this just a minute just give me just give me five minutes to get into my body and do these things that humans do that just to feel it and and then I'll go back to because for me menopause is about otherworldly it's a it's a portal yes yes I love that what unusual imprint that is I mean (laughs) I love that and so young as well and it never got spoilt as you grew up you never had the sort of more traditional imprint coming in and niggling no like that no I can't remember anyone talking about it negative I mean you know women there was no such word as perimenopause for a start was yeah. there when when I was growing up yeah. and also like um yeah my mum and her sister were just like yeah no we we only got went through menopause at 55 so they must have been you know having periods until they were 55 so they just went no we sort of just skipped it all I mean I I really do know that my mum absolutely went through it. It's interesting to to note, even nowadays, like perimenopause is still not very kind of well understood. So it obviously was something that was created or talked about after our parents' generation, because I yeah. agree my mum, I don't remember, it was menopause, there was not a perimenopause. Yeah. Peri is just like the journey leading up to the actual event of your period going forever kind of thing. Absolutely. And it's obviously a journey. And again, I, I don't know that that's talked about much where it's not just like, oh, it's this day is your perimenopause day and then it's done. It's like a whole <laughs> stretch of time, isn't it? And that varies from woman to woman. But, you know, on average, people say, you know, what I've understood and my experience has been it's around 10 years where you start to just, if you look back, especially um, from that kind of place of hindsight, you start to see little changes happening within you, whether it's emotional, mental, or even physical. And I'd love uh, to get to look back with you and to take that journey back to kind of around when you were 40 or any, you know, wherever you felt like you can clearly now looking back, start to see shifts that were taking place as you move from that one ar- archetype of, mo- of mother into the next archetype. Yeah, it definitely started at 40. Definitely. So I had my last child at 36 or 37, something like that. And I knew that um, I needed to, as well as, and I was a full-time mum. That's what I wanted to do. I was, since I was eight, I wanted to be a mum. I was a mum, you know, I was a a mum to my brother. I pretended anyway at eight. So it was, to me, it was, it was everything. That's, that's what I wanted. and I loved it. I had a great, beautiful journey. Um, I had my last child at 36. And then, and I noticed, I knew that it was important to know. So my question has always been, what am I going to be when I grow up? Not knowing fear, or all of that. And I know that at 40, something shifted. I stopped, you know, from my partner being everything and my children being everything and me giving everything to them, all of a sudden, there was a creativity I became I started doing jewelry design um and that started I had to go to shows so my partner had to be more involved 
you know, from me or basically almost getting the slippers for him and putting them under, I'm, I'm exaggerating, of course, but from, from that model, it, I, I can totally see the shift that started creating. I was like, you need to help me a bit more with them. With the with the cleaning and with the with the clothes and the washing and it was a real it was difficult you know shift wise for for the family to make this and accommodate my my shift because I was there all of it I wanted to do everything and I would do more more than um, so it was yeah you noticing it with my family mm-hmm. they must have they found it difficult because everything was done for them yeah with a lot of love mm. um and then something start there was something that started at 40 it was like okay and i thought it was oh god there's another phase i didn't sort of click that it was that there's an i've got to know what i'm going to be when i grow up i've got to get ready so i was sort of getting ready what am I going to be when I grow up? What am I going to be when I grow up? So I need—I knew I needed to start something that would then take me on to the next bit of the journey, you know, when my children would not be at home and, and I'd have time. Um, so it was a really, yeah, I, I thought it started at 45. At 45, Bumba, it hit in a very so, different way. So going back to when you said like it started with this a creative, like sudden a creative surge coming out of you with the jewellery design, which was the first thing. When you were, do you remember when you were in that moment? Was it just, oh, I quite fancy doing that. Like how did that urge come to be? Like what what led you into that? Um, I think it was because I was a furniture designer before and making furniture and lighting with my partner and we had our own business. And so I tried a bit of, and I was a lacquer worker for museums and things. So I tried a bit of lacquer work, um, but I, I made a lot of smell and I was doing it in the house while the baby was sleeping. And it kind of, it just wasn't what it, it was too big. I was sanding. It was just too big. And so I needed something smaller and I'd studied jewelry design in Portugal in my twenties. So I suppose it was just, I'm creative. What can I do? Mm. And there must have been a piece of jewellery that I wanted to make for myself. Yeah, That's normally what happens, you know. Oh, I want that. Okay, how do you make kind it? Kind of follow that desire. Yeah, Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm, not, um, I'm not brain orientated. There's no goals in mind. I go with gut and heart always. Mm. So I just went, yeah, I just went with a curiosity and, yeah, inquiring. And so then what happened at 45? You've made some changes at home and then made some uh, changes at home. And then you feel like there's another step change at 45. There was a massive step. Yeah, I'd um I started a business with a friend, interior design business. Um, and that was brilliant. That was we were doing loads of work for retail and commercial making uh, that interior design making fabrics and wallpapers, and that was all brilliant. But something just everything left like confidence self-esteem self-worth just dropped not that it was ever great but you know I was almost paralyzed uh with just not not being not being good enough not being able to do it so all the stuff that I'd lived through in my early 20s not being good enough that's probably why I was 
meditating to <laughs> try and work that out had just, it, it all just came back again every all my issues that I thought I'd lost I'd basically just hidden them under the carpet I hadn't dealt with anything mm. and they all just came up to the surface mm. and then I had a heart condition that also so palpitations are um like irregular heartbeat did that start at the same that, time then that started at 45 and that was just triggered by the anxiety from from perimenopause mm. so it just hit massively then and what um how did you navigate those times did it did it firstly did it feel like it almost came overnight it was a slow build and i i sort of blamed it on the relationship or my business uh, partner relationship yeah because I just, I didn't know. I didn't know. Like I knew about menopause, but I didn't know. I just didn't know. And I just, I remember one day saying to my partner, I think I'm going mad. I think I've got to go and see a counsellor. He said, you're fine. I said, I'm really not. I said, I'm paranoid. I was paranoid. That I think that was the biggest thing. And I had already, you know, my biggest belief is nobody likes me. And it just there was just paranoia Mm. just going on and on and on and it just wasn't healthy so my heart condition would sort of leave me in bed for a lot of time because I couldn't I was so breathless Mm. for about a week at a time that I started my healing journey by focusing on my heart and just doing so much research on what this could be what the heart condition and how I could heal it through not having the procedure they wanted to ice my heart off to stop the electricity and I was like I'm not doing that and I couldn't take the pills because they were like beta blockers or something so the heart started you inquiring deeply into like what could I do for the heart and so where did that lead you so that led me into stopping drinking going vegan sea swimming cold you know like cold cold water immersion vagus learning about the vagus toning the vagus nerve getting into parasympathetic constantly um and the most important was the one reprogramming the subconscious because I felt that the anxiety was coming from my beliefs my beliefs in that I wasn't good enough nobody liked me so I was reprogramming those subconscious beliefs, limiting beliefs that I had to help me have a normal brain life <laughs> because it was just so busy. You can't do it. It was so loud in my head, so loud. So I didn't have any of the physical, well, heart palpitations, but major. It was all mental, mental, negative mental and so down on myself like and I'd always been like that I had I have always been like that but this was just next level Mm. it's so interesting that you as soon as you started talking about it you connected it back to your kind of 20s when you said that's kind of where I used to feel like that and then you'd gone into your mother archetype which sounds like you felt very natural within um, Absolutely. And then you pop out of that and you're suddenly in the next archetype and then you come back to those teenage worries and concerns and beliefs, like you said. And I think that's so fascinating because I was reading about how really hormonally we are returning to our adolescent state. 
absolutely it's like um you know so therefore like exactly like you said everything that we haven't dealt with or we've pushed under the carpet or we've suppressed um or we've been too busy or we've been too busy being mothers if we're in that mother phase actually having children absolutely um we it just comes up on a platter doesn't it absolutely yeah but it comes up and goes right okay you're ready now you've got a few tools under your belt or or you're strong enough to be able to deal with this now deal with it and that's such a beautiful message to women going through their 40s that you are strong enough the reason it's coming up is not to break you or to make you feel like you're broken it's actually because you are able to do the work now and to heal what hasn't been healed and I think that's so powerful for people to know right yeah and I think the symptoms give you this I see it as it's an opportunity they give you this opportunity because we all have different symptoms um, whether they're physical mental emotional um but they make us, the body makes us stop, pause, what's going on? How can, you know, it's mostly like, how can I not have this? How can I get back to who I was? I, I can't handle this. Da, da, da. But if we see it in that way of like, this is an opportunity, take that pause. You do need to take time out from giving, 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 giving. Take time for yourself. And however you do this menopause, however you do this transition, this peri, it will come back to you tenfold in, you know, we've got, we've only gone through half of our life. How exciting. Yeah. (laughs) I'm halfway through. I'm 50. I'm halfway through. I'm going to do it. Brilliant. I'm like, I'm fed up of wasting time on thinking these awful thoughts about myself and enough. Mm. Absolutely. And I'm really curious, just because you talked the way you talked about motherhood, I was wondering that when you came to move from that kind of, we call it the maiden archetype, don't we? Like, you know, a young girl who hasn't had kids yet, um, and then move into that sort of mother archetype. And women do this, even if they have kids or not, because they become more nurturing and caring and giving and sort of, you know, holding everything together, don't they? And you can create, you know, you can birth other things apart from children, but obviously children is the main transitional rite of passage I feel did you feel when you first had children did you really feel that power of transitioning into being a mother I feel like you did but I'm just curious whether you were aware of that at the time um I think I did two um I was a mother twice before so at eight I was a mother to my brother mm-hmm. and at 18 my sister was 16 and had a child and I was half mother to him. So we co-parented because she couldn't, couldn't do it. Mm. So I was a mother from very young. I, I wanted that. I suppose I wasn't a mother. I wanted to feel maybe I felt needed. And that is what I, what I wanted, what I was craving. Probably. So I think when I went into motherhood, I mean, the pregnancy was just sublime. I loved every, every minute of it. I just lapped up. I I loved it. I was just in my element. Just, I loved being pregnant. I didn't get on so well the first six weeks, you know, breastfeeding and that newness. I felt a bit 
out of water but then it everything was just so natural I found it so easy I found them all easy beautiful and I knew that with each one each child you know they were coming through me and I was just so um, blessed to have the gift of their soul coming through and leaving this sort of little residue they were all each the three of them have sort of left a little gift for me on their way <laughs> yeah it's so beautiful I asked because I'm you know I'm fascinated by these rites of passage that women go through and obviously birth is one of them the first time you get our period is one of them menopause is another and, and death will be another right yeah um, and I'm fascinated by how little we know about them <laughs> um, yeah, and how unimportant they are how yeah, or just yeah, completely not- ignored like not even recognized acknowledged and I feel like it causes a lot of issues because I feel like you know a, a woman going into you know having a, a baby you know there's lots of physical preparation and you know learning about the you know the, you know body or taking supplements and things like that but there's not any spiritual journey type preparation um and I feel like gosh if we were aware of it earlier on then when we get to this next transition we're like oh it's a transition I understand that there's layers of work to do it's not just a physical change where I might experience symptoms but there's a emotional spiritual kind of movement too yeah because there was a lot of um like there was a lot of anger for me like in sections of my pregnancy you know there are tears there was anger I think in my last one there was anger in my first one there was tears and a lot of the symptoms you know some of the symptoms that were there if I'd known more about it um but a lot are quite similar to menopause yeah yeah of course you know this is life changing and not only our body so yeah it was all to do with taking care of our body and the baby but you're right there was no there was no important you know once I'd given birth there was no it was all about the baby yeah exactly which to me now knowing what I know I'm like what um so of course I think on my first one you know after I'd given birth I was just a little bit flat I think Mm -hmm. maybe that's what it was it wasn't postnatal depression but there was some, like, I didn't put it into words, but, you know, I've just done this tremendous thing. And on my own, I just remember also just going, I've got to do this, you know, being there in labour, trying to push her out, going, I've got to do this on my own. Yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no, you know, I don't know. Um, and I did the all three naturally. And I didn't understand the importance of that. Now, now that I work with rites of passage, and um, the most important one, I think, is our imprint, our birth imprint, how we're birthed and how how we're, you know, what that does. You know, being a, I was a C-section and, you know, I'm like, where, where's the help? Who's going to do it for me? Where's the help? I didn't come through that birth canal. I'm waiting for people to come and do it for me. So interesting. It, yeah. It's just phenomenal and you know my mum did have postnatal depression she couldn't look at me mm-hmm. of course I've gone around life get thinking nobody likes me <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like it was it was there it's all 
our answers are all there right at the beginning, right at that initial imprint, how our soul comes in to this world. It's like. So you so you'd hit 45 and you started experiencing, as you described, all of the stuff that's happening. Your heart led you into deeper inquiry. You wanted to it sounds like you wanted to find your own path through this. And you started doing pulling in all these different tools to help you. How how did you how did you navigate out of all of that? Then how did you kind of come back to what felt like an, a level but new almost playing field for yourself? I don't know why I refused medication, and um, I don't know there was something in me. It was stronger than you know. Everybody was going, "You are an idiot. You're gonna you're gonna be in its arterial fibrillation." meaning that the heart beats too thing, then you get breathless and then you're going to be, if you carry on, you're going to be like this all your life. And I was like, oh my God, I've got to do something. You know, there was panic going on. There were people giving me panic because my sister has it, my brother, my dad, and they all have, they've all, they've had this procedure and it's not worked. <laughs> and my sister's had three, it's not worked. Um, but everybody was forcing it on me sort of thing. So I almost had to cocoon myself away and just research, research healing. And I didn't know anybody who was doing this work. I did, I knew no one. I was totally new to all of it, all this healing work. And none of my friends were doing any. It was just totally new. So I just had to, I was just left breadcrumbs like, right, try this out, now try this out, now try this out. And each thing led me on to the next thing that led me on to the next thing. And and I think sort of halfway through that healing process, I'm still in it because I, like today I'm in AF. Halfway through, I just went, I'm perimenopausal. What? (laughs) And then, you know, even then I was like, oh, this is because I'm perimenopausal. Oh, okay. And each thing that I was trying was just was just helping. So I went from being in bed twice um, uh, for a week, twice a month, to being able to do, you know, now even I swim every day, I'm exercising every day, I have a normal life mm-hmm. every day, mm-hmm. whereas I wasn't, that wasn't happening. Um, but that went from, um, you know, I'd wake up at 5.30, 5.30, wake up, meditate one and a half hours, then go swimming, then come back, do more meditation, <laughs> yeah. do more reprogramming. It was all about reprogramming. So every day I would be just changing those neural pathways, changing those neural pathways, changing my belief systems, changing you can't, you, I'm not saying you change memories, but I was making new memories so that the motorway that the belief system was going on was getting like a pathway. And the the one that wasn't believing you are good enough, you, uh, you know, was becoming the motorway. So it was just, it was every day doing this work, but it was just, it was driving. It was a driving force that was just to be okay this is what I have to do to be okay. This is what I have to do. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's amazing. I I love, you know, I love the way that you were led in this kind of 
you know the breadcrumbs fashion and it's like I've had experiences like that you you can't you can't always see the full spectrum plan and how it's all going to work out from the very moment you go I'm going to try something different I feel like the the moment you decide to pivot and not do what everyone's telling you to do because it doesn't feel right to you which is something that I definitely did a lot of in my kind of mother years, you know, you're kind of compromising so much for your family, for, you know, just fitting in all that stuff. And, you know, there comes a point, I think, and perimenopause is that point where you can feel that courage to go, it doesn't feel right to me to do that. I, I know everyone's telling me to, and I'm going to piss people off maybe or upset people mm. if I say no you know, but I actually, I need to say no. And then it's almost like that pivot, that decision creates a pivot where you start to see the first breadcrumb, yeah. you know, and it's like, okay, I'll check this out. And then the next one, the next one, and it's through taking the steps, almost like blindfolded, yeah, that you, you start to find a way out of things and find the solutions. Um, Absolutely. But it's also about having that vision. You know, I really believe strongly that there's I mean, I had there was no vision. I just needed. I just wanted to heal. Mm. But but throughout it, there was always a vision of healing, getting better. I think that vision that 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 vision that you can create. The more tangible it has got for me. The more ta- the more I see that vi- the vision, the faster I'm getting to it. Yeah. Yeah. So more people are crossing my path the more yeah the more synchronicities are occurring because I know whereas before it was just I just I need to heal I just need to heal and it was there it was quite slow Mm. was it like a desire I just really want to heal or was it a real belief I can heal do you remember at the very beginning I knew I could so it was a real belief I can do absolutely Yeah, absolutely. Because I was reading so much of uh, Bruce Lipton. I mean, I started with Bruce Lipton uh, and with the epigenetics and what we believe. But it was just like, I know that I can, I know I can do this. I know this is the route I need to take. And, you know, trying to understand epigenetics and it's just been the most beautiful because not only have I healed, I'm also, you know, I was struggling massively with dyslexia going I can't read that I can't how am I going to say these things you know so try and how can I share this with other people and it's taken you know all this time too to go that's just a belief that's just your story change the story it's just a different muscle so as the heart is another is one muscle so is the brain another muscle and we can we can get them to, you know, through our beliefs and, and transforming and reprogramming, we can get to shift what we thought was our reality mm. and move into a new reality that that we want, that works Beautiful. for us. And just listening to you talk and, you know, your story, it just feels like you had so much trust in yourself. Did you notice that at the time? <laughs> That's so weird, isn't it? <laughs> like the most I would say the most one of the most unconfident people I know but with this yeah just like solid, yeah it's got to I've got to do it this way I did I'm just from the heart like I couldn't fathom having my heart iced that just I was just like no I can't have my heart iced 
just that physicality felt like it was going to transmute into my actual being and I would be the ice queen. Mm. And I think it was that. I think I think that's that was my drive. That was the beginning of the drive. Yeah. I've always been connected spiritually. And it, it just it was just too important. It was just mm. too important, even though I was told by everybody not to do it. Mm. You know, I mean, they were shouting, my family was shouting at me, taking me to specialists and another specialist who was telling me that this is what I had to do. And, you know, my family here worried for me. And Yeah. And I, and I understand that because you, that, you know, when people see it just through one route, through one sort of paradigm, as it were, that is the solution. So why would you not take it? But I think, you know, um, I do feel that women in this phase of their life have the courage, if they can find it, to do these things, to go, no, I'm going to do it my way. Um, and you certainly did find a lot in the face yeah. of your whole family, putting that pressure on you, um, you know, find the courage to say, I'm going to do it the way I want to yeah, do it. Yeah. And I don't know where it, I don't know where I must have learned it in my twenties, but you know, um, a pill and a it's it's all a band-aid over it's like what is what's the cause so I was like exactly my heart is just sending me a message it's like okay I'm now listening what do you want to say what what are you saying what do you want what do you need me to hear and it's still I mean it happens so little now but it's still like okay you're safe so I'm there doing my breath work every 20 minutes every 20 minutes a day going you're safe. You're, you know, the heart is about safety. You're safe. It's safe. You can move forward. It's safe. It's safe. So it's just our symptoms in health, our symptoms in menopause, perimenopause, I believe, are just our body's wisdom manifesting our emotions. They're just messages. They're just telling us. And what are they telling us? What is the body saying what is that wisdom that the body's saying please listen please hear me this is what's going on so it's not about healing the symptom it's about it's about going what is the symptoms message for me it's just like oh my god please women you know in perimenopause we this is an opportunity to go what have I not been what have I not had an opportunity to hear before because I've been so busy I've been giving to everybody else and and what do I need and have we been heard before have we ever felt like we've been heard you know have we ever felt like we've been seen have we what do we need what do we need to give ourselves and you know self-care is a sort of bad word but it's like (laughs) Just we just need a bit of time and space and to expand into this human and to this person that is half human, half soul. You know, we're not we're not just this these things. Our brain is not it's not real what our brain is telling us. It's not real. Go underneath that chatter, go underneath that chatter and listen to what the soul is saying. It's been very strong. It's been pushing me forward. And somehow I knew to trust and listen to it and mm. go with it. 
It's so interesting. It's like the the veil the veil gets lifted, doesn't it? Where you can see and hear the soul better. But because if you come into this phase thinking the symptoms are a nightmare, it's like all that if you have all that negative imprint of what this phase means, you're so busy in your head with like, oh my God, I'm aging, the best parts of my life are over, you know, these symptoms are horrible, my body's broken. You can't even hear when the veil's lifted. You can't, you know, it's hard to hear the soul speak to you. It's hard for you to go to sink into like, okay, what is actually, you know, like you said. But there's a new veil, isn't it? The veil of symptoms. That's what I felt, you know, too. This, This veil of symptoms of like, negative chatter and people can't sleep and you know it's heart can't walk upstairs you know whatever your symptoms are that I feel is also Mm. another veil and the only thing the only thing like the subconscious work that I do is brilliant at moving you forward and changing your beliefs in in that respect but the the breath work was the only back door <laughs> into helping with the the symptoms mm. it's it's the it's the back door isn't it is that it's the only thing that c- connects us to our nervous system you, you know that we can go in it's like okay i'm coming in i'm regulating my nervous system yeah and i think um being able to do pull in the, these tools and, and and start doing this sort of work, I, I was interested to hear. You know, the first part of your journey was actually prepping the family life. You know, that happened when you started getting to making a jewelry and having conversations with your partner and saying, actually, I need more help, and just starting to shift the balance within the home because you've, you're coming, like you said at the beginning of our chat, from this giving with with pleasure, this giving mode of being the one. To hold it all together and you know you need to there's a there is a gear shift of like it it's okay to say I'm not that person anymore now I want more help I want to share it out so that yeah. you can then find the time to pause and create the space to then do this work that you've been talking about yeah do you feel that too absolutely mm. absolutely and I think there yeah. can be a, a definite you know, as women, we carry so much shame and guilt anyway, like hereditary generationally, that to to turn around to your partner or your kids and suddenly say, I actually, you know, don't want to do all this all the time. I want to, you know, however that comes out of your mouth, but, you know, um, to actually ask for more help, to not think that you're doing a lesser job as a mom, as a partner, because you're not going to do it all. That That is such a hump for some women to get over, you know, yeah. that it doesn't happen and they just carry on giving 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 and it's just yeah it's not great and then it's interesting to see what are their symptoms you know is there anger is there irritability is there hot flushes do they find it hard to sleep yeah and I'm (laughs) fascinated about um the gallbladder because it's so connected to anger um and resentment and it's so often whipped out because there's issues with it. You know, it's just it's the most this it's the most commonly performed surgery in the in the UK. Like eighty really? bladders are taken out every year, and you know that's men and women. But I know I always say to people who've had it done, women like what like what anger, what repressed anger is there within you that you haven't resolved? Because that's going to impact physically. Like we're talking about, you're going to have physical things coming up if you just keep yeah. a lid on everything. Yeah. 
So obviously, you know, if you you look back over 10 years, because I know you're like me, you're 50, mm-hmm. um, and you know that you're not the same person you were 10 years ago, right? <laughs> and so obviously that means that there was change. And I'm fascinated about change because I think everyone doesn't really like to change. They want to hang on to what they know. And yet change has so much opportunity for us. I mean, how do you feel about change and how you've navigated change and embraced change? Oh, my God. I tell you what, I, I have changed uh, everything has changed, it, you know, from meeting me at 40 to meeting me now. One, you wouldn't recognise me because I'm a brunette and I'm now blonde. I mean, that's just like, that's just like, what? How could a brunette go blonde? That's because I'm so grey. <laughs> I'm masking it. Um, two, I mean, it, it's just, it, it just goes on, you know. I didn't like dogs and I have a dog. I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm Southern. I'm half Portuguese. I love heat. I'm now swimming in cold water. I was, <laughs> um, it, it, you know, change is the only constant in life, isn't it? It's the only constant. It's constantly changing. And as women, we're fortunate enough to have experienced that. You know, our menarch changes us from our 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 cycles we're never the same human being (laughs) from one day to the next from one hour to the next hour so we're really lucky that we are we experience it and I think the only thing like I'm just thinking um what I would tell myself is just connect to nature more I was so disconnected from nature if I'd understood that connection to nature would help me with my rhythms, my cycles, that I would understand them more, that I'd be more in tuned with them and and there would be less resistance. I think I think for me that that's the key. That's what I would teach. I'm seeing my daughter in a couple of weeks. That is what I'll try and impart to her. Mm. You know, somehow connecting to nature helps us. There will be less resistance. There's more of an understanding if we ground, if we look to Mother Earth for help and answers and lessons. Mm. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do feel like that, I might have mentioned it on a previous podcast, but I do feel like that week before a period arrives, before the bleed arrives, for many women is a is a contentious week. They experience its symptoms and out, mm. feel very out of sorts. And also that's the week that's most derided, I'm going to say, by culture. The woman expressed through her PMS week is the one that's the most put down yeah. for being whatever, over-sensitive or over this or over that and shame. I, a lot of shame around shaming, it. exactly yeah. and so I feel like that is the that that week before our bleed is the is the whole of our perimenopause almost stretched out if we have issues then absolutely it's like <laughs> let's just extend that for 10 years and it's going to yeah. just keep coming because you have to pay attention and like you said if you do the work in your 20s 30s um, on your cycle, even if it's just becoming aware of it, like tracking it, like tracking the moon, tracking a cycle, 
and starting to understand those different changes that you have within you, I feel like that's already going to serve you so much in your perimenopause years, right? Oh, my God, yes, so much, so much. Just understanding your body and how it changes and what it needs, what it needs, who it needs, who it doesn't want, you know, because these are all, they're all messages. It's like that person irritates the shit out of me on day, whatever it is. Okay, there's a reason there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What is it? What is it? Is it your shadow? Is it them they shouldn't be in your life? You know, their answers just there waiting always. They're just there waiting for us to see, but we haven't seen them. And I think there is such shame around our menarch. Um, I know that, you know, every, I, I do this meditation around my first bleed, but I go back to, to the menarch and just connect to Mother Earth, all other women. It's just, it's so key. Yeah. It's so key. And, and you're right, that finding those cycles and the, and, and what, what, what we need in them and yeah. Yeah. What do you feel, if anything, what do you feel that you've had to dissolve and let go of during the last 10 years, during this perimenopause phase? So much. (laughs) Too long. (laughs) The highlights. (laughs) Everything. And, and, And that's key. I think, I think letting go, shedding, unplugging, you know, People say in different ways, don't they? <clears throat> um, and that's why I love, you know, I hate, I, I really didn't like autumn, but now that's why I love autumn now because I'm going to use this energy for it's just brilliant. The leaves are just shedding and letting go. Um, so letting go, what have I let go of? God, so many beliefs. I'm not good enough. I'm thick. I can't do it. Nobody likes me. I mean, I think. Basically, it's the major beliefs that I've been running my whole life from. So my perspective was so poor thing. Like I look at myself, poor thing. And if you look at me in real life, you know, I'm six foot. I'm not, you you wouldn't, you would not think that, but I've, in that internal communication that I've had with myself it has been just so awful, mm. just so horrible mm. to myself. I've just been so horrible. So I've let go. I've let go of being horrible to myself. I was so nasty to myself. Nobody would wish how I was. You, it was horrible. So I think that's it. And when something pops up in my head like, you can't do that, babes. I'm like, I'll deal with you another day. <laughs> Today, I'm going to say that I can. And that is, that is like two weeks old. You know, that this is new. This is new stuff. This is new stuff. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I've let go of not liking myself, that's you know, huge. of being that's so huge. horrible. And that's gradual, you know, that's everyday practice that's everyday consciousness that's everyday transforming old beliefs 
and that's every I think that you know that's why this uh, this uh, morning practice is just accumulative isn't it it's like there's no one that you there's no magic bullet it doesn't just happen like that you don't just take something or you do something once and you know I've been morning practice I mean it's shifted but it's every morning the breath work every morning the swimming and it's accumulative it comes and it builds pathways that you know are our brain is plastic. It can change. It can transform from this horrible, nasty human being to myself to actually quite sweet and loving. Um, but it is accumulative. There's no one, and there's no one thing, is there? And the tools that I use work, and there's no cookie cutter uh, way to do this transitional stage. There's no one way there. It's about being open to finding what works for you, what what does help your nervous system, what does change your belief system, how can you do that? But to me, I think they're key, changing that nervous that nervous system, bringing that into calm and, and balance. I'm not saying bringing it into parasympathetic either. I'm, I'm saying bringing it into coherence, balance, homeostasis, allow the body to do the work because the body is infinitely wise infinitely and change those neural pathways change those patterns that we have been that are insidious you know we're brought up with they're not ours they're our past they're our mothers our mothers mothers mother mothers mothers fathers father <laughs> you know they come down we inherit these beliefs from society from television from now from social media they are not ours they're not ours yeah there is no quick fix and we are so used to the quick fix we've been bred on the quick fix right so it's like I have to do work every day for a long time so that's that's a tricky one because that doesn't stand us in the in the best instead. We we do need to do <laughs> some going work, don't, don't we? And also, you know, that's why, as you said earlier, our connection to ourselves is so important. Connecting to you know our bodies and how we feel, uh, so that we can then, like you said, there's no cookie cutter. We need to be able to feel what's working for us and what isn't. To feel what does, like, yeah, that I, that feels like it's something I want to try out versus, no, that's not for me. We've got to be able to feel that in our bodies. But what are we conditioned to do? We're conditioned, ignore. if ignore. it hurts, ignore, but also just like, don't feel that. That's too painful. Don't go there. Take a pill. You know, I'm, I'm unhappy. I'm depressed. Take a pill. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. We have got to go through the discomfort and the pain to find the diamond in there that you know there is there is something good in there but we've conditioned to not feel it not go through it absolutely and I feel you know not for anyone listening to this who is on medication not to say hey take your take come off your medication obviously no <laughs> but but uh, you know it, there is there is that serves a purpose to too it. doesn't it I mean medication and yeah. it serves it's, it serves a purpose yeah, but there's a kind of that it, it's not just one way. There's a whole 360 view to be looking at yeah. alongside or instead of, depending on your choice, the medication. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's so important to embrace that um, for us to thrive, really. 
to be connected Absolutely. to ourselves. Yeah. And as you say, 360, I had forgotten, you know, there's me going um, nervous system, nervous system and um, uh, that reprogramming the, the limiting beliefs. But also, which I think there is a lot of is, you know, that physical, the what we eat and, and how we move. Um, but, but, but I think that's, that's now being talked about beautifully. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's really known and there's so much science around that. So if you were able to go back to your, your younger self or go to women that are in their early thirties and you've already alluded to what you might say. I'd just love to know what your message would be. And I know you've mentioned nature and connected to your cycles. Is there anything else you'd be saying to either your younger self or to, to women that have not even got near perimenopause about this phase? I think I think I would say it's a beautiful opportunity. Come at it from a different perspective. It's a beautiful opportunity to change and to become who you have always known you can become. I think that is that is just key. I, it's like it gives you the pause to take the time for yourself to learn and do the work. It it is it is inner work. It it, it is in it it does come from the inside. It comes from the inside, as well as what we eat and how we move. That's the outside, but we go within. Go within and find your answers. There's no expert out there. There's no guru. There's no doctor. There's no one outside of you who knows how you should do this. There are people, fine journeyers, people who will take you and hold your hand on this journey. You know, find a journeyer. Find somebody to journey with. That That's what I would say. And, and just to, and make that mother earth, <laughs> make that a journeyer. You know, if, I don't know if you call it a coach or a mentor or a, I like, I like the word journeyer. That's what, that's what I am. I'm a journey. I love that word. I like, yeah. I like to um, walk alongside, walk alongside, not say this is the way, this is how to do it. This is what you should be doing. Mm. So have you thought of, you know, mm. and just find that GPS, find that GPS. Where do you feel it? Where is it in that? What's the yellow chakra? Solar plexus. Thank you. Find that's where your GPS is, you know, there and in your heart. What is that saying? Where is this right? As you move into somebody else's energy, are they right? Just start playing with it. Start noticing how, what it's saying to you. Mm-hmm. Find your internal GPS. So I would love to let everyone know who's listening where they can find you if they want to follow along with your explorations and your adventures and all your creations as well and offerings. So if there's anything you'd like to share about your work too, you know, let let us know. And I will obviously put everything linked in the show notes too, but just to hear you explain it is great as well. I think, um, so I've sort of, talked about the subconscious work that I do changing um, self-limiting beliefs there's breath work that I also do that's how I begin and that helps that veil of of symptoms that that's given me 
yeah, the space to expand into and uh, knowing that and that's helped my regulate my um, nervous system to be able to move forward more. Yeah, so I work subconscious, then I do um, breath work. I work a lot with um, rites of passage through meditation and reprogramming in quantum, so quantum healing. And now I'm bringing um, cacao ceremony into that because I just feel that cacao opens our heart up so much and and um, what we can what we can do with that plant medicine and how we're connecting to Mother Earth and and the lessons that she can also bring in. Mm. Such beautiful work. I love all that. Um, and are you mostly on Instagram or? Yeah, so I'm mostly on Instagram. My website is so it's alexadicastillo.com or alexadicastillo on Instagram. That's it. Oh, this is such a nourishing conversation. I have really loved it. I Oh my I, God. I what feel really deeply. Question. I almost want to have a second iteration where we can just talk about rites of passage at some point down the line. Because <laughs> I just feel like that whole setting up for a woman is just so powerful and potent. You know, we've talked quite a bit about other times of life, even though this is about rewriting menopause stories, but that's because we are, it's a journey. Womanhood is a journey. It's not just one separate stage. It's so connected, isn't it? So I've really loved having this conversation with you. Thank you for your time. I've so loved having this conversation with you. Thank you so much for your beautiful questions and how they were asked and how I've found insights through talking to you through my about my journey um and how lucky we are now to be in this time where we're able to communicate about menopause and that this is also taking us back and I can also talk you know taking us back to an earlier time in our life and I can talk to my daughter about it and prepare her and how you know, women in their early 20s and 30s, you know, if you're doing the work, this is going to be, it could it could be about a different thing, not about the symptoms. It could be about who, who you're wanting to become. Yeah. And it could be, you know, it's like the opportunity for rebirth. It's so powerful. Absolutely. And it's so potentially exciting to look forward to it if you're, you know, younger listening to this. So, yeah. I hope we've excited you through our conversation. (laughs) Thank you, Alexa. Thank you so much, darling. That was such a lovely chat. Thank you so much for being here. I just adore these conversations. If you want to dive into this work yourself, you can head over to my website, portals to becoming more you section and have a look at the offerings that can support you in this phase i have something amazing to unveil in the autumn a whole reclamation journey and you can jump on the waitlist now for that and you can also follow along on instagram i'll put all the details in the show notes below if you enjoy this conversation please go ahead and share it with other women who need to hear it or on your feed And I would be so grateful if you could subscribe, rate or review this podcast, as that is the best way to get these important conversations into more ears and hearts. 
I've loved being here with you. Thank you so much for tuning in. 